Sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Nerd Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Nicholas, and here we are once more. We've been on a little bit of a, I guess not really a hiatus. We had the last episode with Bama just a little over seven days ago, probably going to be eight or nine days by the time this episode airs, but it's been a busy season, both for myself and really for this the guests that I reached out to. It's been a little tough with all oh, so many meets and just so many things that are going on with a lot of these athletes to really nail down a schedule. So, you know, as it is. And I was a little bit concerned. I was like, oh shit, I gotta find, nail down some guests and I gotta get the episodes rolling and I gotta do this and that. And then I had to take a breath and be like, Nicholas, nobody gives a fuck. You know, so <laughs> you just you try to be consistent, put it out when you can, and you know the people show up when they need to show up. You can't force things. Forcing things is a grade A one way ticket to everything blowing up in your face. It's a life lesson for you. Take it. It's free, but it's true. If it's not inorganic, if it's not organic, and it's an inorganic f- forcing of things. Uh, you're gonna find out real quick that that's uh, probably not something that's for you, and it will again blow up in your face. Just an easy way. Think about lifting. You try to force a weight that you're not ready for. Yeah, by the way, what's gonna happen? You're not gonna get the weight, and you're either gonna get hurt physically, you're gonna get hurt mentally, or hat trick. You'll get both, and uh, that's really gonna suck. So sometimes it's okay to step back, breathe. And take a little bit of time. Sometimes a little bit of time will go a long way. Anyway, that's enough for Nicholas's words of wisdom. Don't listen to me. I'm definitely not wise. But today, we are back in the saddle again. And we have a monster in powerlifting, Mr. J.P. Price of Strong Barbell Club. Uh, Mr. J.P. Price is... I mean, he's a monster. The guy has over a thousand pound raw squat. Yeah, raw squat over a thousand pounds. All right, one thousand pound raw squat. I know most of you do can you know can comprehend the gravity of that, but I really wanted to give it the emphasis. I feel it deserves. Um, and just has an awesome, you know, all-around total. Um, if you look at his page, he has great educational things on lifting, um, everything from the use of chains and then squats and meats. I mean, it's he's really open on his social medias, um, you know, about just giving advice and just giving his tips and experience, of which he has a lot. And that's really cool. I love lifters like that. I'd love to be able to pick their brain, and I can't wait to pick his. Uh, Shout-outs to Kelsey Michelle, uh, for who's a good friend of both of ours, for recommending him. She was like, hey, you should talk to JP. And I was like, 
Well, goddamn it, girl. You're right. I should talk to JP. What a fantastic fucking idea. And I reached out, and he got back to me right away. And see, that's what happens when you let things happen organically. The shit will work out. And if it doesn't, it wasn't meant to work out yet. You gotta let that shit go, homie. You gotta let that shit go. Anyways, so, JP will be on. Um, honestly, as always, we're just gonna do a nerdy bro down. Ask him how he started. Um, you know, what got him to this point. Um, and, you know, I, don't, I don't know what else. I mean, obviously, we'll ask some technique tips. Um... You know, shout outs to our sponsors, Viking Performance, Viking Performance Chalk. I'm going to have to give him a Viking Performance uh, Grip It, Rip It Lightning question round. Uh, I'll have to think about that and see what I can come up with and kind of get to know the man, the myth, the legend, J.P. Price. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. I know you'll learn something and we'll all be better for it. So without further ado, let's get J.P. on. How you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. Going well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, one of my friends from Chicago is in town, and uh, we're drinking a glass of whiskey. And uh, he played for the Bears, and he has a 628 bench as well. And uh, so uh, I've coached him a little, and we're good buddies. And whenever he's in town, he visits. So uh, he's uh, kind of listening in a little bit. Oh, well, awesome. That's two-for-one special for me. So thank you, and thanks for taking the time out of your whiskey drinking. Yeah, what's your uh, what's your real first name? My real first name is Nicholas. Alright, Nick? Yeah. Oh, uh, whichever one comes. It's okay. <laughs> I, didn't know how, I didn't know how Greek you are. Um, I'm very Greek. My mother's maiden name is Hagianikis. So, oh my god, I just guessed that, but because you said Nicholas, I knew you were Greek. <laughs> yep, I, I got Greek on my arms too, because I'm Greek tattoos, so nice. it's, it's, a, it's a family thing. But nice. yeah, I appreciate again. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm, I was really excited to talk to you. Um, it actually uh, one of Ryan's clients, uh, Kelsey, uh, mentioned it to me. She was like, "Hey, you should talk to JP." And I was like, "Holy fuck, I should talk to JP." Yeah, Kelsey's awesome. She used to live here in town and then moved to San Diego. But uh, yeah, Ryan trained her and still does. And uh, yeah, she couldn't be cooler. Yeah, she's a she's a great old gal. I've met her a few times, and we've become buddies. So I've always enjoy uh, talking to her, and I was really glad that she made the recommendation, and I was I was excited to reach out. So I have to ask do though, you live in, uh, do you live in San Diego? I live in Ventura, which is about three hours north. Oh, I was gonna say because I'm gonna be out there in uh, a month from like today. And uh, if you ever wanted to talk in person, you could. Oh, I definitely will. I'll, get, I'll take any reason to go to San Diego. Like, again, it's like a three-hour drive. It's really easy straight down the freeway. And I would be more than happy to come down and talk in person. That would be awesome. So, so we're going to be at the eight-man elite meet that uh, they're putting on at CETC. Ooh, um, that's going to be fun. And uh, Hunter, um, who is one of our listeners, uh, Ryan coaches, who also coaches Kelsey, um, Hunter is going to be competing, and she just hit four eighty-five for a double. Ooh, that's awesome! She's going to throw up something—a great total. She's doing four eighty-five for a double. Shit! And then she paused, did uh, two sixty-four for five. Paused on bench the other day. Oh my and, god! Uh, two seventy-five for a pause triple. Well, she is what a monster! 
<laughs> that would be fun to watch. Ann Hunter is known now, but she's relatively unknown because she's only done like two meets. Yeah, that's um, still really so, new. So oh. she's getting better so fast. Like people are learning who she is really quickly, and uh, I mean, she's going to have a multi hundred pound jump in her total, and uh, and because her last total was from like last November. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Not that that's a huge bench for the like yeah. in any women's division of any weight class. Like it's usually Absolutely. like kind of like you know the one little separator in those like really competitive yeah. women's divisions is their bench. Oh, it absolutely is. And uh, she's really special and she's going to be really, really special. And uh, I'm just really excited to watch her. I'm just going as kind of a spectator and helper. And uh, so we're going to be out there from the 17th to the 20th. Well, fantastic. I definitely need to come down then. I didn't get to catch Ryan when he was in San Diego last. And so uh, I would love to also finally catch him in person. Um, Ryan actually, uh, he, during my first, I had mentioned to him, um, last year when I went and did my first meet, like just kind of a random, you know, message when he responded to something he put up that I was doing my first meet, he remembered it. And then on my meet day, took time out of his day to message me and ask me how things were going multiple times throughout my meet. And ever since then, he's stuck in my head as a very special person and an epitome of the sport to do that for no one, someone he didn't know in person, um, just to ask Absolutely. me how it was going. Um, and I've carried that with me and I've made a point to always help people in any, I go to meets just to like ask if I need to wrap knees or right. slap a back or get water, whatever, right. you know, uh, you know, speaking of nerds who lift, I'm a Redditor. Oh, awesome. And, uh, I believe I'm the strongest Redditor in the world. Um, I, I, I have a flair to prove it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so what's funny is one night I was like up late drinking and I was on Reddit and some guy was like, hey, my coach just backed out on me last minute. I don't know what to do. And I literally, I called him on the phone. I was like, hey, here's my number. Call me now. And we talked for like a half hour. We planned out his attempts based on his training. And I think he went like eight for nine and I coached him through the whole meet the next day. <laughs> Dude, that is the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> I was just like, hey, I'm not gonna not help this guy. He fucking paid somebody for this, and they left him hanging. What a piece of shit! I don't even know who the coach was, but yeah, I, uh, I haven't talked to him since. But I just thought it was funny. But yeah, it doesn't matter. The fact is, like, that's I feel like that's that's the sport in a nutshell. As we, you know, everyone helps each other. And if you're a good person, you know, you're you get that back, and everybody wants to see each other succeed. Um, you know, that's, that's why I, I even made like this, this little show is I was like, I wish I, I wanted to make something that I wish I had when I started and talk to people who I thought were, I could learn from and were interesting and other people could learn from just for the sake of just spreading, you know, like, a you know, like Dave Tate says, you know, you live and pass on, live, learn and pass yeah. on. So Dave was super cool. He's like talking to a little encyclopedia, you know? Seriously. I love, I, I I'll listen to him rant anytime. And I feel like he's forgotten things about not just powerlifting, but just like lifting and being a competitor that, you know, he's forgotten more than most of us will ever learn. And so, you know, that's someone you people should listen to, you know, in that sense, I know he probably doesn't think so, which kind of makes it more valid. Like he doesn't try to be somebody he just is, which is great. Um, Dave's one of those guys that just closes his eyes and looks back and then can't stop. Yeah. yeah. And it's great. 
And and that's where you learn the most. I mean, I, I grew up in martial arts and that was kind of like the golden rules. Like if you can get someone who's a, like a seasoned veteran, some someone who's been doing it like all their life and you can just get them talking, you will learn so much more than you didn't even think you knew you need to, you needed to learn for that reason. Right. Totally. So, um, for you now, and on that note, um, well, actually, what kind of whiskey are you drinking? I, I, I would be curious. So Dan is a whiskey head here. And how many bottles did you put on your picture the other day? Ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Okay, that was very specific. That was very specific. That was very specific. And impressive. For this week, right? Twelve. Okay, so he's got to take twelve back to Chicago on the flight tomorrow. Oh my God, that's that's so he, impressive. He, he brought a bottle. It's a geez, he brought a one point seven five liter bottle of Weller's um, original weeded bourbon, special reserve, and he got it in Wichita, Kansas, and brought it here to Kansas City. And he said they can't buy it where he's from, so it was an exciting bottle to get. That sounds amazing. I also, I'm I'm not a huge drinker, but I love really good whiskey and scotch. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I would, I would love to taste that. That's actually one of the things I would like to do is I like to go to like Tennessee and Kentucky and lift at the, you know, those, the, some of the best gyms, like obviously yours. I know there's some other ones in Tennessee and then obviously taste all the great whiskey and bourbon that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, uh, I used to be a much more frequent drinker, but I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm doing that too often. So I kind of slowed down. Yeah, that's always been uh, – I've never really been a huge drinker. I definitely did it probably more when I was a little bit younger. Um, now yeah. it's – now I'm a – I'd rather spend more money to have a really nice one, maybe two, and then I'm good. I'm good up to that. Yeah, so. I, that's how I am now. I feel like when I drink a lot, I did not enjoy drinking. <laughs> and now that I drink a little, I enjoy drinking. When Dan Morgel and I go out, the guy who's here right now, we really enjoy drinking. Yeah, and then becomes it's with a buddy. You don't do it all that often. It's you know, it's better. I feel like it's just a better experience uh, at that point. So, so I think uh, when when it's a problem, it's not social, but it's social now. Yeah, exactly. And 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 then when you have good company, I, I feel like if it's you know anything that's not enriching your life is probably taking away from it. But in those situations, when you have a buddy, it's not something you do often. That will leave you better than than when you started. So, good company yeah, does that. Sure. Uh, Ryan just walked in the room. Hey, Ryan, in San Diego, we're going on a Nerds Who Live podcast live. Fuck he yes. That he recalls that you helped him for his first meet, checked on him all day, and uh, and didn't have to because he said he was doing his first meet. Nicholas. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Ryan. <laughs> so, uh, I think that you get the vibe for the kind of people we have here, and that's uh, why we have our own gym now, because we only want people like this here. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's, you know, that, that's been one of the things that people know. I mean, even just of Ryan, anyone who I've ever talked to about Ryan, uh, you know, says that he's just this big hunk of muscle with a big heart of gold. Um, and, you know, and every, and obviously you and that, your whole gym has such a good reputation. So, uh, yeah, I, and I'm, so I'm glad that he walked in. That's awesome. I have a three for one now. It's fantastic. I know, but still they're there. That's cool. It's a thought that counts, but, um, all right. But I, I do obviously, you know, we'll, we'll do a whole, like with him in San Diego, we'll do it live. That'll be great. But for you, for those who don't know, I would love, 
Um, let me make a small introduction on your, yourself and how you began lifting um, and then how you began competing and becoming the monster you are today. Sure. So, yeah, by all means, please have at it. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm JP. I'm out of Kansas City. I own Strong, Bar Strong Barbell Club. And uh, I've powerlifted, I think, for about seven years. And uh, my best total is 2364 in sleeves and wraps. Cool. And, uh, I mean, I, I held the all-time world record in sleeves for like two hours before Ray Williams took it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I've squatted 1,000 and bench lifts better in the same day, which is pretty unique to me. Yeah, I, I would I would say that's unique to fucking everybody, dude. <laughs> no, no, it is. That's why I said it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so, uh, so no, uh, and uh, also, I mean, I think that you know, if you would uh, generally have to kind of say, you know, who's JP? Um, I'm a, a family guy. I am a, I'm a community guy. I run meets. I referee, and uh, and I'm all in on the sport, and I'm all in on the community, and I'm all in on on everything that it is about, you know? I think that's one of the best telltale um, signs I've, that I've learned. I've only been seriously in the sport for just over a year and a half going on to, and I found that some of the best lifters are the ones who go to meets just to help for shits and giggles, and they still pay an entrance fee. They don't ask to get in for free. And then they all, and they ref. Like I, I, I actually, I would like to also become a ref soon. Yeah. Um, but that's like a telltale. I'm well documented in saying that if you're willing to bitch about anything in the sport, then you also should be fucking willing to help. Yes. I think that's good advice in anything in life in general. Um, so you, so how, how long have you been competing in total in powerlifting? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's been seven years in November and, uh, I was literally, I just did, I had done CrossFit and I was involved in wrestling coaching and there were a couple former wrestlers at a CrossFit gym, and I wasn't really doing any structured lifting, so I was like, well, I'll just try that. It's something kind of new at the time. And uh, and before that, I had been training in a garage gym um, with me and one of my buddies and a couple friends. And uh, we had always done, like, powerlifting style, strongman style, bodyweight style, CrossFit style. I mean, just garage gym workouts, you know? And, uh, and it was well thought out, but not necessarily by me. I was more of a uh, spectator. And I just... I was an athlete, so I was like, tell me what to do, I'll do it, and I'll do it at a really excellent level. <laughs> like, like, I'll do it, and I'll do it at an excellent level. I won't just do it. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, and so I was like, hey, uh, this has been great. I moved to Kansas City. I got into the CrossFit thing. I never really was a member of a gym, just a CrossFit gym. And then uh, my buddy uh, that I trained with in the garage was like, hey, do you want to come test your boxes at these guys' garage gym? Like, we're kind of having a fun thing of it. It's like around Thanksgiving. It was real cold. And uh, we went up to Nebraska, and we did that. We did like a mock meet in this guy's garage. And I hadn't really lifted for max effort. I had tried to, like, do Olympic lifting. Like, I thought that was the next thing for me. And I just was not flexible enough, and it was really discouraging. And I think I was probably, like, 320 pounds at the time. And I've been over 300 pounds pretty much forever since I was 17 years old or 18 years old. And uh, so I was a big guy, and I had at that garage mock meet, I think I squatted 600, benched 425, and deadlifted 585. Jesus, homie. <laughs> and, and I had really not been doing it at all. <laughs> 
Yeah, just yeah, to... Sure, certainly not been benching at all. And uh, so that was just below, like, my best numbers from college. And so I started to, like, kind of take it serious and train in my garage. Well, then I was at a barber shop, and a guy that looked like a big, strong guy getting a mohawk carved into his head was like, hey, of course, he was a bench-only guy. <laughs> and he was like, hey, if you're strong, which you look strong, you should meet my friend Ben. He's a power lifter. He said, I do bench only because my knees are fucked up, but you should meet Ben and you guys should, you know, see if you want to train together. I was like, okay, that sounds good. So I met Ben and uh, we became quick friends and uh, I started training with him. And then a month later, I did my first meet. And at my very first meet, I went 650, like 402 because I had to pause. And then, uh, and then um, I went. Um, like 585 in the deadlift. Nice. And and what, what where was your first meet, or what, I guess, what was the first meet? Uh, it was ADSPF, the American Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation. Okay. And I think I set their world record in the squat. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was one of those things, like, it was local, it was, like, in Columbia, Missouri, and it was a small deal, it went great, it was really, really well ran, and, uh, and then after that, I was real hooked, and I just loved it, and I wanted to go again. So then I started competing in knee wraps because everybody at the time was using knee wraps. And so I started competing in knee wraps, and and uh, raw just was not really the thing, like in sleeves. It was all raw with wraps at that time. And uh, so in like four months, I think I put 100 pounds on my squat. Oh, yeah, especially if you're new, you already squat big, you're already a natural squatter, and you put on some good yeah. knee wraps? Fuck. Yeah, and I had never really tried any maxing out before. Like, I never peaked, I never tried any programming, and we were running the cube method by Brandon Lilly, and I really I really took to it very quickly. And anything I've ever tried to do and do excellently, I've kind of became a leader over time. It's just been my, my energy, I guess. And so I kind of became a moderator on Brandon's page and I really got involved in it. I had gone out to Kentucky and met Brandon and competed and I was staying at 308. And then the next year I had started to let myself gain some weight. And as I gained about 20 pounds, I had like put 70 pounds on my squat. Jeez. And so I had gone to 832. I went to for the USPA and I squatted 832 and bench 507 and deadlifted uh, actually deadlifts went really poorly I had to pull my opener three times because I kept getting called for hitching oh, and uh, they, were, they were just being really really strict and it was fine but that was my first 2,000 pound total um, geez, man. and, uh, and I, it's kind of funny because looking back now I competed with David Douglas uh, Dennis Cornelius and Sean Doyle at that meet. <laughs> this is a fucking all-star roster. <laughs> yeah, Dennis was 275, Sean was 308, and I was heavyweight. And I beat those guys on Wilkes to win the title. And uh, and David Douglas was in single ply, but he tore his bicep on deadlift. Um, so it was one of those like really kind of cool like first big national meet experiences. And then from there, I kind of was shot out of a cannon. Yeah. And I mean, then it went from, you know, 832 to 881 to 937 to 1,000. Yeah, and now you have that gigantic squat. It just pretty much seems like you're just built to squat, and that's just really – you just have a just an awesome – you know, obviously you work for it, but, oh, you, sure. you know, you do have a natural squat. What is um, – and whenever I talk to somebody, because, like, I'm a horrible 
squatter because I'm a draft person. <laughs> so, so I'm all legs. So, but I I love squatting because of that reason, and I feel the most accomplished. So I always am, you know, I always have to pick the brain of someone who's a natural squatter. What are some things that either you've noticed that you do maybe even naturally that you've noticed over time of coaching um, that maybe people who aren't as good squatters who could be better, you know, you do versus what they don't do in the squat. Yeah. So I've, uh, I know that I have a longer torso, I have shorter limbs, and that's really helped me in the squat. Um, one of the most important things I did with my squat was change my hand position so that my elbows didn't hurt so bad, um, because then that allowed me to bench press more, um, which helps you build your total, right? Right. Um, but other things that I've done is uh, I've tried to make the squat a very, very, very simple movement where you're using your whole body and it's not broken into segments. And so if I fail a lift, I want it to be because my whole system failed, not because I had one weak link. I think that's a great that point. Sense? You know, that, that makes perfect sense. Cause so many times you hear like, Oh, my hips are out of position or Oh, my mm-hmm. knee blah or my knee ankle, whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it does. So I, I try to make everything unbelievably simple because if it's simple, then you can duplicate it over and over and over without a lot of big deals and issues. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I've tried to make it a full body lift that is your body acting as a system and the only reason you fail is because your system fails. And naturally, because I've been really into squatting and good at it, that's the one I've kind of like become, you know, somebody who teaches it a lot. And and then lately, that's been the bench press. You know, working with guys like Dan, where we're trying to figure out how to unlock the next level and potential of bench pressing. So now we're using the whole body as a system on the bench press, too, where if you fail, it could be because, you know, yeah, your legs weren't involved. You needed to have your whole body involved in the bench press. Um, you know, yeah, it's because you didn't sink well enough because we want to use your body to absorb some of the bar momentum so that you don't have so much in your hands when you're pausing. You know, to the point now where I, I bet Dan's similar, where we have uh, better meat benches than home benches at our home gyms because we're so disciplined and we use our technique to our advantage. Yeah, and actually that's – I especially for the bench, I feel like it's very misunderstood. I heard um, you know, Mendelssohn actually say that very similar where he, said, where he calls it chain drive of using the whole body because the bench is a compound lift. It's not a chest press. Yeah. It's a compound lift. Right. Um, so, and obviously people always say, well, you need more leg drive. And, and even again, me as a, you know, long legged draft person, which is not a huge excuse, but it's mine. Um, finding, you know, that right position for your legs to get the most like, you know, total drive. And then knowing how to, like you said, sink into the, uh, use that body to absorb momentum. What are, what are the two common things that you usually like to use for a lifter? to either help find the most optimum leg drive and then how do you teach secondarily, you know, like you said, using the body to absorb that momentum? It's really tough because typically somebody has a problem in their chain, so to speak, before you get to the leg drive. Okay, good point. So if somebody has all that other shit figured out, then, okay, now we'll work on leg drives. But typically their setup isn't good enough, their bar path isn't consistent enough, their, you know, their, their back tightness isn't right. Like, there's usually a lot to get to before you ever get to the leg drive. So it's something I don't ever, ever teach beginners because I don't think they're there yet. 
Yeah, and it'll be hard to to digest. Okay, what would be so like for example, yeah. Mark Bell said, "Yeah, I benched five hundred pounds before I ever learned what the fuck leg drive was." You know? Yeah. And uh, so it's more like uh, leg drive is kind of sprinkles on top of the cake. Um, I learned leg drive like after I already benched five hundred pounds, and then it started to really help things accelerate quite a bit. And I got better at the heave, and then I got better, you know, at my lockouts. I started utilizing the chains more, and so it's something where you like get little by little, you get more and more and more. Like almost every single person in my gym hands off the same way because we learned a handoff where we could be more optimal and tighter. You know? Yeah. Which is an art in itself, learning how to hand off correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, in an ideal bench press, like since, you know, like you said, it is individual, the person, and they usually have something weak in their chain. If you could go from, and just in your head, what would a, the best, like a really ideal bench press look like in terms of like setup, in terms of like back tightness, the position from setting up under the bar to lockout and, on, and racking? Sorry, say the question again. Sure, sorry. I guess I want to ask, what would be an ideal order of operations for a really pristine bench from setting up under the bar to lockout and racking? Okay, so I really, really try to keep things as simple as possible. You know, and sometimes when someone else is training that, then, you know, they're going to be really worried about, you know, one piece or another. But for me, I really like to start with how you hold the bar. I'm really interested in creating a position where your hands, you know, make it so that your forearms are perpendicular to the floor. Now, there are some lifters that can gain an optimal position by having a really great arch. They are few and far between. I don't teach that a lot because usually they're either that flexible or they're not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for me, unless you get one of those outliers that has really, really great arching, then I don't really get into the super, super wide grip benching. And a lot of times that's going to be typically only women and lighter weight lifters. Okay. So, so in general, let's just say that those people are out on their own. Okay. So in general, for a, a normal lifter who's learning, I'm going to start with their hand position on the bar so that we can hopefully create a consistent pattern that they can duplicate over and over that is going to allow their elbows to naturally tuck and their elbows to naturally flare off their chest. I don't ever teach anybody to tuck. I don't ever teach anybody to flare. I teach everybody to put their hands in the right position so that that shit happens automatically. I like that. Okay. So again, we're using the body as a system. Mm -hmm. So if you have your hands in the right position and you create the right tightness in your upper back, then you should be in the most safe position you can be in to have healthy shoulders to put yourself in a position to have a really smooth, powerful bench without having to think about those extra cues. Yeah, keeping it simple. Yeah, no, it does. It it makes perfect sense. Like you said, keeping it simple. So if we fixed that top end part of the chain, that should give us the right hand position, the right tightness, the right elbow position, the right amount of tuck, the right amount of flare, and the right bar path. Yeah, and then like and like and then that's one less thing that the lifters thinking about. They're just thinking about repeating their operations. Yeah, so that's one thing that solves the chain from their hands all the way to their ribcage. Yeah. So I love that cue, and I love that way of teaching because it helps everybody 
like make the whole damn thing click. So now we're lowering the bar. I like to lower the bar somewhat fast. I don't like to lower it slow. And I like to hit it, you know, right underneath the nipple, right, you know, underneath the underwire for women and, you know, right at the bottom of the rib cage for men. And so I don't necessarily recommend that everybody sinks the way that I do, but the theory behind the sink is that you're actually taking some of the weight and taking it off of your hands and putting it into your body. Mm -hmm. So then when you do drive from your legs, you're able to go from having not 100% of the weight in your hands to accelerate through the bar, help heave it off of your body, and then it accelerates into your hands as you go up. So okay. off, the, off the chest is so many people's weak point, but it's never mine. Yeah. And actually, in, I know what, I knew what you were talking about as soon as you said it, but it was the first time I heard it as a word, uh, heave. The, I'm guessing, and I was guessing you meant the pop off of your chest when you when you okay, drive, so right? Having having the word heave in there, it may be a little bit better to call it sink because heave is in the rule book is something you can't do. Mm, okay. Okay. So what a heave is in the rule book is when you touch the bar to your chest, the referee gives you the press command, and then you dip and drive the bar. That is what a heave is in the rule book. Okay. But what I'm saying is, and, and this is made popular by Dan Green, but Dan is a little bit more wild with it than I am. So I sink the bar into my chest quickly and then make it stop immediately. Now, if you're smart, the quicker the bar stops, the quicker you get a press command. Right. Because the judge, the judge is only interested in the bar stopping. Now, well, the mistake people make is either slowly stopping the bar or letting it bounce on their chest. I stop the bar dead stop as fast as I can, and then the judge gives me a press command as fast as he can because of the respect that I gave his commands. Right. <laughs> and so the point is, is you start the bar amazingly quickly and stop it quickly. Now, some people go a little bit overboard with that, and they sink it too fast. I still like to have control. So I think it's important not to lose control because then you have a consistent descent. Right. So then immediately with that bar sunk into my chest and everything in my whole body like a coiled spring, I am ready to drive from my feet through the bar. Now, the challenging thing about practicing this technique is that it's very, very hard and difficult to do for many reps. I would say even three reps is too many. Two reps mm -hmm. is pretty perfect. One rep is ideal um, because it's hard to match the timing over and over. Now, if you were to say do like two second pauses for a set of five yeah you could do it but you'll be weak as shit by the fifth rep yeah that so fatigue will set in it's better in my opinion to practice technique on small sets so when i'm working with a guy like dan on his bench you know we will do hypertrophy and we will do high reps we will do fives we will do eights we want to build muscle but if we want to build technique then we have to do that for sets of one to three right so in terms of like uh I guess, how would you make that volume? Like, let's say you gave, you know, a lifter that for, again, sets of one to three. What what are, how many sets are usual? Like seven, eight? I know some people like a seven by two or an eight by yeah. two, something like that. Yeah. So, so typically we, we vary that in increasing LTE levels for me. And, you know, we'll go from a seven to an eight to a nine sometimes, maybe even to a 10, or maybe we'll keep it around a seven or an eight if we're doing higher reps. But typically... Um, you know, we're going to get our volume on our back down sets, not on our max effort. 
That's a really good point. That's I've learned the importance of back down work and I've come to love it and respect it and yeah. really understand how much good like total weight move you can get after back downs after your top sets. Um, right. I think that's a great point. It was really challenging for me to do back down sets after squatting over 900 pounds, but it is not challenging to do back down sets after benching 600 pounds. So, <laughs> so what we would do a lot of is we would work up the top sets and I don't know about you, but if you're working up to a one rep max, usually you feel pretty freaking fresh after you're done with it. If like you do it right. Doing, yeah. Like let's say you're doing some conjugate programming and you do max over single afterwards, you still feel like you can do a lot of work. Yep. So then we would do a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I like doing ham wraps on my way down or, you know, four sets of five on my way down or whatever we need to do to get the volume in. But volume is so huge in the bench press and it's huge in everything. But I will say the volume is very difficult to do after max effort work on the deadlift and on the squat. Yeah, because you're a bit more fried. And obviously when you're fried, you know, you can misgroove, which can even on a back down or on weight, you usually can handle, can backfire on you. But yeah, with the bench, especially with your arms, I, I agree. I feel the frequency is more manageable. Um, and for if that. you're not in pain, Ryan and I are both big believers in getting volume on your way up. Yeah. Yeah, and that was very warm. Yeah, I actually. Well, like in training, what the fuck are you saving it for? Yeah, exactly. Are you on the platform today? Yeah, you're not. No, you, you should be. Your reps on your way up and don't be a piece of shit. Yeah, no. I'm like you're lazy, you know? Yeah, if, put, you know, put, if you're in pain, then you can't do that. Yeah, I'd say well, you have to put the. Yeah, exactly. If you're not in pain, put the work in. And, if, and that's the difference between, you know, people. Like you said, you're in training. You're not on the platform. You don't need to save it. And I, I've heard many out of the people I've been fortunate enough to talk to, that's a very common thing that I hear, very unprompted too, that people um, are undertrained. They don't train enough. Um, I even, um, my I, I become friends with uh, Ranson Lee, who is out of um, the North Carolina. And Ranson uh, went to a Yuri Belkin workshop, but Yuri was like three hours away. He's like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna miss that. And one, and he, and I, I was like, Hey, call me on, he had like a three hour drive, call me on your way home. I'm obviously curious to hear about everything. And one big thing that he took away was, uh, Yuri stated that his, his workouts are fucking three to four hours long and he does full sets for every single weight, essentially. Like he does reps with everything all the way up to his top sets and then back on down. So he, you know, he, there's that much volume every single workout. And obviously he's Yuri, but just, it just, it, it thinks says something to the work ethic. Like you said, do your reps in training. You need, even if it's just the bar or one plate, like that's still reps. Right. Well, and it's one of those things too, where I'm sure Yuri has this happen because Yuri's total is almost my total. <laughs> yeah. He's a hundred and, what, 60 pounds less than when I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, you know, you get a ton of volume warming up to that. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time. Like, when I was warming up to, like, 10 plate squats, that takes a lot of time. Like, I'm probably taking 5 to 10 minutes between every set, and I'm doing 10 sets. It's 100 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what we also noticed is that, like, everybody else was getting hurt doing the same jumps. So now those guys need to take more more sets, too, you know? Um, so they need to take smaller jumps and have more sets to feel more fresh when they do their top work so they don't get, you know, beat up so bad. 
Yeah, and I always I've always wondered about also how people, um, you know, how they take care of themselves. Like I feel like lifters who come from a background of very resilient sports, uh, especially wrestling. Again, I came from a martial arts background. Also, wrestle. Yeah, exactly. You you said you, you wrestled. Um, if you're a wrestler or you're in martial arts, you're a resilient bastard, and you're very used to a certain type of body temperance, as um, Thompson would say. But that kind of conditioning, and I feel that that lends to being, you know, doing lots of work very safely with good technique because you had that drilled. And people who don't come from that background. Um, are usually a little bit more loose with it and uh, really can't – they don't really read their own biofeedback well, I think. That's just my opinion. I just, I've, I see. I've thought uh, – that's funny. I've never really thought of that. But I've thought of people who are athletes that, like, you know, are a little bit better in meet situations than people who are not athletes sometimes. Um, but I never thought about that for training, that people who were athletes get way better practice than, than people who are not maybe – I, I, I think and, and so. And I guess that makes sense because we have people that kind of like sleepwalk through their workouts here during the day, and you're like, I feel like you should be sweating a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you should be out of breath. It's, or, it's an intense. It's, it's like they're not going nearly as hard, and I never thought about it in that term, you know? Yeah. Um, I, it's something I've really noticed. It's an intention. I mean, it's like you so go to. Not athletes, I'm not really yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. You know, and they find or they find Olympic lifting or they find CrossFit. You know, you can find any of those sports. But I bet you you find someone who goes into the gym and it doesn't matter what block of type of period they're, they're in hypertrophy, they're in strength, they're in meat prep. The guy who has the most intention in his eyes and you ask him like, hey, did you wrestle? Did you do boxing? Did you were you a football player or a rugby player? And a lot of the times they're like, yeah, actually, I did. Um and uh, yeah, I feel like that's just an an, an intention. Um, and then the guys, the the outliers who don't have that from from sports are just naturally like intense people, um, maybe usually, who do that. Right. Um, yeah, so. for sure. And, you know, it seems like a lot of wrestlers are good at powerlifting, but it also makes sense because there's weight classes in wrestling, and and powerlifting kind of relates to that a little bit. So like smaller guys have a place and. Yeah, you guys have a place. It all makes sense. It does. I think a lot of actually just martial arts in general would actually be really good at powerlifting because to me, yeah. like that's what it, it what drew me to powerlifting was it is technique oriented like martial arts. Um, right. It's you have to commit fully to it, just like any type of like combat situation. You have to commit to it. Um, it can hurt me back. It can crush me, um, sure. but it's not punching me in the head. And right. and uh, I definitely block with my face too too much and get a little bit punchy. So I'm really happy to not have that happen anymore. Totally. I, uh, you know, I think that, like you said about resiliency, like I it really in my whole life never been hurt until recently. So that's why that you know being hurt's been kind of really weird for me because I've never been injured my whole life. Not in football, wrestling, rugby, nothing. I've just never been hurt. And uh, so it's just really weird to, like, not be able. Like, I used to feel, before I turned 34, I felt freaking invincible. And if I would have been on your podcast as a 32-year-old, if you said, what's your number one best trait of what you do in powerlifting, I'd be like, I never got hurt. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, and you would have had a right to say that at that point. But, yeah, I feel like it happens, you know, and, and hey, maybe – Maybe like you said about the the type of person who are better at getting their practice in, you know, if you usually are come from, you know, contact sports, uh, you know what pain is like and you try to, you know, practice more diligently. Yeah, and if you ever get hurt, then you maybe 
never miss a session, and then you maybe don't have to work as hard as the next guy. Yeah, or you, you know? you're, just, you're just working, or you're just on a roll. Like you work just as yeah. hard, but you're just it's just it's always easier to work hard when you're in a system than it is yeah, you know coming you back. To meets and you're fresh and you're not playing around. You know, yeah, aches and pains, and you know it's just one of those things, man. Where you know it, it totally eliminates a huge part of the sport, which is pain. Yep. Yeah, it really is, and or and, or, and it's only that it's it's like a pain threshold. You're going to save it. It's like you're saving not just your best lifts for the platform, but your pain threshold because it yeah. is painful. Um, and then also, kind of what you said about you know game day. I I actually think that like I think I perform usually. I'm at my best on game day. Like I love being in a meet. Um, yes, it is nerve wracking. Yes, I'm always nervous. But I love the energy. I love being around other competitors. I love spectators. I love seeing refs. Like, like I grew up in that, and so like that turns it on for me. And I think it is a lot for others too. You know, like it just gives you that switch for that. So, um, so I want to actually kind of ask you a little bit more about the squat because you gave me a really good breakdown for your bench, and I want to maybe do. Give me like two main things. Uh, again, keeping it like you keep it as simple as possible, but you're a huge yeah. squatter. Uh, two yeah. main things that you would like to see more people do in their squat. Uh, so there's a couple things that kind of go off on my head as a light bulb that really, I think, contribute to being proficient at squatting. And for people who are good at it, it's things that you notice over and over and over and over and over about the people who are the best at it. Mm-hmm. And... And so what I have found in the squat is that people who stay upright squat more weight. Okay? Mm -hmm. So people who are more upright have made the movement more simple. And people who make the movement more simple seem to recruit more muscle and are able to do more weight and able to um, grind less, be faster, and uh, have less sticking points. So... Let's think about some of the people who stay upright and never really bend at the waist when they squat. You know, you're talking about me, you're talking about Philip Allen, Belkin, um, you know, John Hack, and you're talking about these guys that stay so incredibly upright. And so they're not getting that much hip flexion, and so they're hitting depth easier because they're able to stay more upright for the whole movement. And it's really simplifying things. So when I teach the squat, I am trying to teach people how to be as upright as they can be with the bar as low as they can get it so they're recruiting more muscle and so they have less chains to break down in their system. Right. You're really shortening that lever too because, like you said, you hit depth easier and the bar's lower as much as you can. Mm -hmm. You're shortening that leverage. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, so that's been kind of my goal is to help people make this thing more simple so that they can be better at it with it being easier. I think that, yeah. And that's like you said, the more simplistic, the more repeatable and, and then good repeat, you know, repeatable processes always lead to obviously more success. Um, So like, let's say I'm working with you as a client and you just called me and said, Hey, I want to be better at squatting. And you walked into the gym I would watch you squat, you know, and the first thing I would do is figure out what kind of footwear you should have on. So if you don't have any limitations in your mobility, you're wearing flats. Yep. Because it'll it'll recruit more posterior chain. If you have limitations in your flexibility and you hit depth easier and heels, then you're wearing heels. Mm -hmm. I, 
I personally don't have to wear heels. I just like to. Um, I get a lot less hip flexion when I have heels on. Okay. And especially in the case of me being injured, that can really help me. Yeah. So, um, so first thing I look at is your ankle mobility and your ability to hit depth without wearing shoes or with wearing shoes. And then the next step that we follow is looking at your hips. If you fold over at your hips and you don't stay upright, then we need to fix that. Okay. Yeah. And I always am looking for one cue that fixes like 10. And so for me, the cue that we use the most here with the folks that lift a strong barbell club is for them to get their chin back. Now, what the chin back does when you have your hands on a barbell, if you just put your hands out to the side of your shoulders right now, just sitting there, when you push your chin back and you're trying to make like a double chin, like you have a fat face, what you'll immediately feel if you actually listen to your body is you'll feel that your spine is neutral. You'll feel that your traps dig into the bar and you'll find that your scapula not only retract, but they also suppress and they go down. Okay. So you're putting your scapulas into your back pockets as Sebastian Orb would say, Australian strength coach on Instagram. He's one of my favorite coaches in the sport. One of the couple that I would want to coach me. And when you put your head back, you notice that your elbows go down which keeps your chest up, right? Right. I'm doing it as you okay. say it. I'm going through it as you say it. So, yes. So, so this all makes sense, right? Yes. So what I'm teaching people is to wear the right footwear. Uh, don't flex too much of the hips so you don't bend over in the hole, which can also limit your depth. And then keep your head back, which keeps your elbows down, which keeps your chest up, which keeps your body really connected to the bar and in line with it, which helps you stay upright. Yeah, like, okay. you, like you said, one cue fixes that's ten. The whole, that's the whole squat. Yeah, <laughs> and then you move um, up and down. Yeah, exactly. So so that's the way that I address the squat and the issues that I'm looking at when I look at somebody's body movement. And then everything that I just talked about, we can plan all the other little things around those. And that, make, that makes sense. And that's a really good kind of like a marker to work from for that. And I think it's even for, for a beginner, like you're like, all right, we're going to have you try to stay as upright as mechanically possible. And even if they don't understand any other anatomical physiological terms, they can look at a video of themselves and be like, okay, I'm more upright here. I am less upright here. Like that's a good, like you said, simple, digestible, repeatable. Yeah. And so like the way that I teach it and you understand it, I think that even if you don't have good body awareness, you understand that that feels right and looks right. Yeah. So, so for example, you know, I want somebody to be able to look at that and do it and understand why things good and bad happen. Okay. I want them to understand why that happened good and this is why and why that happened bad and this is why. For example, okay, go go back and anybody that's listening, go back to having your hands next to your shoulders. Okay. Okay, now put your head back. Okay, now what I want you to do is lift your elbows up, okay, towards the posterior. Now, Nick, what happened when you lifted your elbows up to your chest? Uh, my, my, my chin came down a little bit. Okay, so when you lift your elbows up, your chest caves. Correct. And so does your chin. Okay, now it's harder to squat, isn't it? Yeah, because then okay, – no. yeah. Now I want you to have your elbows up like they're, uh, you know, chicken wings. Okay. 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 Now put them down. What happens to your chest? It pops up. Okay. 
so for example there's this whole camp of people in america and anywhere else where people are looking down when they squat right yeah what's the first thing that happens when they get in trouble they go down <laughs> they bend down no, no 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 when they get in trouble in the squat what do they do with their head oh oh they look up when they get in trouble why the fuck didn't we start that way <laughs> so if you look down when you squat but you get in trouble and look up to get better why would you just look up to right and and i think i think they i i know those those camps you talk that you, you speak of and i said they always like well you're trying to keep a neutral head position because neutral what you, you can but you can look up and keep a neutral head position right so i want them to be neutral from the start yeah, and if you're neutral and you're looking up, and then you just keep that, then you're never not going to be in. You're you'll be doing both things. Exactly. Yeah. You, 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 and then yeah. If you fail. You don't have to say you failed because your low back wasn't good enough. You just failed because you weren't strong enough. Yeah, and which which is okay because you can always get stronger. I'd rather I'd rather yeah. fail because I wasn't strong enough because I can get stronger than because of my lower back because that yeah. that that sucks. I don't know about you, but I would rather not be strong enough than be too stupid. <laughs> yeah, because you can fix not being strong enough. Stupid is harder to fix. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that's just my opinion. And I understand that there's positive to every camp. There's people who squat different and great. Like David Wilson, he's a really great wide squatter. But, you know, gosh, I'm thinking of like, what if he squatted the way I wanted him to squat? Yeah. <laughs> you know, now, now he's a world champion type of guy, so I'm sure he's doing that for a reason. Yeah. And I just haven't asked him. I'm sure he would tell me because he's a really nice guy. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure he's just squatting the way that he deadlifts, which is exceptional all around, you know? Yeah. Um, but but I just am curious, like, what if he did it this way? Yeah, I'm, I, uh, I, I am curious. Or like, And Sean Noriega does the same thing. He's a very, very wide squat. Sean cites the fact that he had um he he had he he i had him on the show and he he had said this of why he is it basically just it was painful he had like uh in his lower back and his kind of his si joint it was painful he basically just kept moving out like the more he moved out he just was like oh it's a little less painful but then it started to get pain again and then he'd come back in it still was painful so he just go out a little bit more and just over time eventually he developed his wide squat with no pain and that was his that was his reasoning he's like i just don't it doesn't hurt so yeah it's fucking atrocious though, huh? <laughs> yeah it's it's hard to watch you're just like you're just like damn i mean he does it and so yeah. like cool but yeah i mean i uh, yeah i just am not able to open my hips that way yeah and uh so none of the lifts i do are like that i mean if you look actually my squat bench and deadlift stance are all almost the same um, my deadlift stance will change a lot now that I've lost a bunch of weight, but um, but that's how I had to deadlift for a while because I was too fat. Right, and and actually, it's a great segue because you know we obviously covered the squat and the bench. So uh, I did that for purpose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I see that. I see that, Jay. I see that you're a, you're a kind soul. <laughs> Uh, so yes, the deadlift. How? How? What? How? What? What do we do going into the deadlift? Uh, so I was just I'm super honest with people. Like the reason my deadlift sucks is because I trained for it. Like I suck at it. Um, I've skipped more deadlift days than anything. Um, you know, I've never had a great grip. I've never had a uh, great position for deadlifts. I've been fat and like not in a good position to pull. So I've constantly improved my deadlift. You know, while I was competing. But, 
but it's always just been hard for me. So uh, a lot of it was grip. Like I had the body strength, the deadlift. Uh, I deadlifted 824 off the floor in prep one time when I was wearing straps. And obviously the trap bar deadlift doesn't help the deadlift at all because I've done 941 in that. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's all just a quad lift. You're squatting it up. It's cheaters. Um, <laughs> so, so I've always had the goal of wanting to deadlift 804 pounds. And in a meet, the most I've ever attempted is 789, and I dropped it at lockout. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I, I don't have that strong of hands. And I also think that it also hurts my hands to not be able to deadlift from a good position too. Right. You know, so I think both of those things hurt your hands. Um, I've tried to hook grip and my hands just seem to be too sick to do it. Um, everybody I've ever met that's a great deadlifter. Um, I, I don't think I've met Josh Morris in person. He's probably the only one with hands similar to mine. Um, that's a good deadlifter, but everybody else I've met has like very thin hands that are long. And like even Brandon Allen would say, like, dude, you need to cut half of the meat out of your hands if you want to be a good deadlifter. Right. Um, so it's just one of those things. I've just never been good at it, so I train for it like I suck at it, and then it never gets better. And that's that's not that's on me, man. And I understand that. Like I just I cook when the fire's hot, and it's hot when I bench and squat. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so and so it's just always been that way. And that's partially me being stubborn and not giving a shit. And that's also partially me being built really poorly for it to help me not care. Right. Huh. Yeah. Which 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 I I totally I totally get. I do I do wonder. Um, I wish I was better at the deadlift because you can deadlift more than the bench. So as a full meat lifter, I would be better off being better at the deadlift. Like in 2018, I had the biggest full meat bench in the world. Well, I would prefer to have the biggest deadlift in the world because it would help my total. Right. Like somebody was like, could you imagine if you deadlifted 400 kilos? And I was like, yeah, I'd be the third strongest person of all time. Yeah. So I, I want to, I want to, so you obviously shared with me, I, I do want to share some with you because I, I try to share this with everybody. Uh, um, so I went to massage therapy school for sports massage, uh, and and I I I didn't I never finished getting my state license because I decided I didn't want to do it for work, but I still practice and do it, and it's still something that's big for me. Um, one thing that I've if seen. You come to San Diego, you can absolutely massage us. Oh, I will. Oh, well, I will tear you. I will tear you up, sir. I will tear you up. Calm down, Ryan. He went to school for this. It's not weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I went to school. It's not weird. Leave your socks on. It's cool. It's fine. They uh, <laughs> said it's not gay if you leave on your socks. Exactly. And obviously, it's. I mean, obviously, we'll we'll record the whole thing, so there, you know, we'll we'll sell it and we'll make money off it. It's fine. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are windows. There are windows. So. Um, so obviously, like you said, for most people, especially bigger guys who have uh, trouble with their deadlift because it slips out of their hands, um, and a lot of it is 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 the really the bloating in their hands because yeah. you already have yeah. big hands, and then you just squatted and then you just benched, so your hands and your forearms I are the sodium you ate the day exactly, and you all that on all of that that you have, you're just you're just swollen like a motherfucker. So. Yeah. Um, a lot of with especially with uh, lifters and powerlifters that I've seen is their the supinator and their extensor, the two muscles in between their fo- in their forearms are just atrociously um, uh, hypertonic. 
um, from everything. And of course, if you look at, if you think about your your wrist, is just this little circle of bone, and your two forearm muscles are like ropes that essentially spiral and braid together in between into your metacarpals. And so when they swell, and you, and you see it also in arm pump with motocross, when those upper muscles, which go between your wrist swell, they push up against the wrist, which can give you that arthritic feeling. And of course is going to pull the blood um, just like any type of like Turner kit essentially. So um, what can help with releasing, releasing that is releasing the adhesions in those upper muscle bellies of the lower and the upper forearm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can show you very, you know, a lot, obviously a lot better when I see you, I can do it to you and it's easy, very repeatable, but essentially it's, you pay, you take, you use your, your thumb and your fingers on your forearm and obviously use your opposite hand to the opposite forearm towards like right, right at the very upper part. You do the whole thing, but you usually start at the upper part um, where it kind of attaches to your elbow and you dig into it and basically kind of, kind of uh, rev it like a, like a, like a motorcycle. Um, you can focus more on the top and the bottom, but you're basically going across the grain because your, your forearms run, you know, obviously down towards your wrist. Um, and, and, and I, I preach it and I tell everyone they should do it. It's transverse friction. It's you're going, you're uh, creating heat and friction across the grain of the muscle belly, which causes it to break up any type of adhesions, forces blood flow back into the muscle instead of it being, you know, gunked up and dry, like a dry sponge, um, it hurts like a bitch. Uh, it's horrible, but afterwards it allow all that blood that you're pushing in and you're essentially scraping out any type of buildup or, you know, just tension that that muscle is holding the blood flushes out. Um, and that coupled with any type of, um, just like ice soak, uh, you know, cold water helps bring on inflammation immensely. And so I do think that powerlifters did it before and after their sessions because you can easily do it to yourself. You can also do it on your bicep. Just do the whole arm. But then especially on a meet day, after bench, you can get your forearms and bicep and your and your wrists worked on in that same fashion and then maybe even let them sit in some cold water, help even bring that inflammation down even more. I, I would, I, my theory is that it would help, especially big guys tremendously. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my, that's my, my little thing. I think you try doing it, try doing it yourself. I can send you a video of how to do it. And then when I see you, I'll do it on you. But I do think it would help powerlifters in general. Um, cause it helps, it can help reset your natural muscle length by doing that. Yeah, man, I, I'm definitely down to learn that. I think there's a lot going on in there. And I think, like you said, a lot of it does have to do with that inflammation and things. Um, I think that there's just a lot more to know about it. And I think that you're on the right track with it. I think that uh, for me, I deadlifted so long with my left hand under. I've really developed a terrible imbalance in my left and right side and what's happening to my shoulders and my traps yeah. to where uh, if you look at like how much one of them dominates the other, it's ridiculous. And I started switching my grip recently coming back from injury and uh, well, it's, I'm not, I'm not really coming back. I'm still in the middle of being injured, but right. I switched my hands over the other way. And uh, when I switch my hands over the opposite way, magically my shoulders are like even. And so I've developed this really weird unbalance in my back and it's like, as you know, as being a massage therapist, like my right side upper back is overdeveloped, my left side is underdeveloped, and then it's the exact opposite in my low back. Yep. You know? Yep, they and crisscross. So I've had to switch to back the other way 
where somebody like Ryan is probably really, really balanced because all of the years of bodybuilding back work. Yeah. Yeah. And he's definitely do it. Um, Oh, a, a fun little, uh, thing that I, I've kind of, I did for myself in terms of balancing, um, that you could try is, uh, underhanded RDLs. Um, oh yeah, oh, yeah I would do it for a warm up. Um, and even for back downs, like if I have just my accessory work for any type of RDLs, um, that underhanded really forces you to externally rotate both shoulders and then to essentially keep them down in that supinated uh, position while obviously while doing your art, your RDL. And um, it would, cause I have the same thing where my lower uh, left of my back is overdeveloped and the crisscross and everything. And I mean, I pull hook grip because I, and I can, but, and that was one of the reasons I did it, but uh, I started I'd love to try. It seems like people with much smaller hands than me are good at hook gripping, but for me, it's, I'm trash over 500 pounds at it. True. But if we, Hey, if we can get some information down in your hands, it may not be that bad. Yeah. Hey, if you can be the godfather of me pulling 804 pounds, I will freaking crazy i i want to accept that challenge because i've had this theory the past like year to 765 so okay well i mean that's i mean that's only 20 what 25 35 more pounds off okay all right so 40 whatever i can't do math um yeah no when i see you in san diego i i i'll send you i'll send you a video like in this coming week of just kind of like what to like how to do that um but yeah, I also like to to see your feedback on those underhanded RDLs. I I haven't seen anyone else do it, and I it, it actually really helped it helped me, and so I, I enjoy doing them. I'm so, definitely down to try. Yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, we'll 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 definitely we'll plan on that. And I don't want to keep because I will I will nerd out about this shit, and I I always enjoy shooting the shit about it. Um, kind of your mo. <laughs> which which part the shooting the sh- out about uh yeah yeah it's in the title um i actually that was like a big yeah it was actually a criticism i i got um i mean n- no but i i i was gonna get to that because you, you already said you're a redditor so That's true. uh I don't, like get on it a lot anymore but like a lot of us are in like a discord chat and the other day Somebody added everyone, and everybody logged in, and they're like, "Oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> what did I? What happened?" Like, Go. I logged in, and they're like, "You, you got fucking JP out of the out of the woodwork." Oh shit! <laughs> Here comes the shit. Um, but yeah. It's like there's always like a noob that like sees, and I'm like, "Holy shit! Look at his flare! <laughs> look at his flare! Oh my god!" Yeah. Yeah, it's it it is my mo. Actually, that, that was a criticism that I I had that I have gotten since having the show is um, yeah. I get excited and I go on I ramble and I'll nerd out and they're like you need to talk less. Let the guests talk I'm more. On, whenever I'm on Reddit, I always feel like Willem Dafoe when somebody's like, "Well, who the fuck are you?" And on Boondock Saints, he like pulls his badge out and goes, "Here's who the fuck I am." Here's who the fuck I am. <laughs> I, I fucking love that movie and i love him in that movie god uh yeah i mean it was funny yeah, it was like it was, it was like, but the first one wasn't a caricature movie and the second one was yeah you know 100 percent, i agree with that i mean they really i mean it seemed like they had fun with it like they really just yeah. wanted to do another one which that part of it I appreciated, but yeah, I agree with, I think that's an astute observation that the first one was an honest work of love. The other, and the second was a character, caricature movie. Yeah, I agree with that. So, 
As far as being nerdy goes, I'm not nerdy enough to follow any comic books or really buy any. I own some graphic novels, but I haven't bought a comic book in 10 years. Owning graphic and, novels counts. Yeah, so I own some graphic novels like The Authority or you know, some, some old Marvel stuff, some DC. I still have some comic books from when I was a kid. Um, but I am interested. I do follow the movies and shows. Like I'm excited to watch when it comes out next month. I watched The Boys this month. Um, yes, so that was I'm a good I'm very into that. I'm very good with that. I'm not like great with computers or anything, but I will nerd about that. I will nerd out about music. And uh, that's about as far as I go. But uh, but my cred's okay. Like I can. Hang hey man, out. that's that's that. First of all, that's far cred, and I believe that you can nerd. Nerding can be anything. Like you said, music nerd. I'm also a big music nerd. I actually have a Nerds Who Live podcast playlist, which I will ask you to submit your submissions to. It's basically your favorite music to either train to or get you get you amped up as many as you I like. Thousand percent do that. I like. Uh, I, I have a couple podcasts. Playlist that people are into. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Dude, give, think, give uh, me all of that shit. I love that's actually my, one of my favorite things, other than the podcast that I've made, is the compilation playlist where I have everyone submit songs. It's awesome. I'm into that. I have uh, I have one that's called PRER, and that got a little wore out because we've listened to it for like six years. <laughs> Some good replay values. Oh, totally. The newest one that we're pretty into is uh, OMWTFYB, and this one is much harder than the one before. And so, like, for example, I was tired of having a playlist with, like, one Knock Loose song on it, so, like, this one has ten. <laughs> so I wanted it to have more variety of more hard music. And thankfully, I have some people that like to message me really good songs that have kind of like felt what I like. Like, I really like two-step hardcore, um, you know, but I've also gotten into kind of the more like punk hardcore lately, like Knock Loose. Nice. And uh, so then people have sent me recommendations off of what they know I already like, and that's been nice. Um, so like, for example, if anybody's listening to this and likes hardcore, you need to be listening to Boundaries. Boundaries is one of the most raw, best lyrical, hardcore I've heard in forever. And I've been listening to them through every workout and every single day uh, for like the last month because my client, Lewis, who's a edge kid from Indy, uh, got me onto these guys and I can't stop listening to them. Oh, uh, that makes me really excited to go to the gym tomorrow because I'm going to want to listen to it. And, and, it, and if it's – I'm always excited for new music. Because I'm just as much as a music nerd. I, I, new music, new bands. I'm I, li I live for that shit. I love that shit. Yeah, man, it's so good. So anyway, uh, I'll send you some of that, and then you can get started on it tomorrow. Send but, me all uh, of they're it. They're exceptional. Awesome. Yeah, send me all that. I'll send you the, the 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 nerds who live playlist too. You can see like, because I mean, I take submissions from pretty much everyone's been on the show, and they give me maybe one song, two songs, five songs, and it's it's a hodgepodge. But it's it's pretty great. Like I'm I'm kind of proud of it. I like the you know the the uh, contributions and like people always digging it. So it's always fun. I think do. a lot of times you walk into a gym and you're like surprised that the music is the way it is. But if you walk into my gym and hear the music, you'll be like, yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, you're like, no, that fits. That fits. That exactly. fits. Um, which is always great. And, and you said you mentioned the boys. I actually just finished watching the boys just a few weeks ago. And I 
I both really enjoyed it and hated it at the same time. And I only hated it because it obviously destroyed stereotypes of obviously how we think of superheroes, but I also loved it for that at the same time. Sure. sure. Uh, I thought it was really good. I think that, uh, you know, any universe, I think I'm using the right word here, any universe that you find comic book characters in, um, it's going to be a little bit of a fairy tale. Of course. And this is the first time you're really seeing, well, I guess like Punisher too, but this is like 110% anti-heroes. Yeah. 110% like how it would actually be in the real world. And uh, no. so the, the way somebody described that show to me to get me to watch it was they said, uh, you need to watch The Boys. Imagine if The Flash ran through somebody's living body at full speed. That's what you're going to see. Yep. And that didn't disappoint. Nope, nope, it really didn't. That whole shot with her fucking, like, guts and organs spraying on him was fantastic. Uh, sure. You know. So, yeah, yeah, that was pretty accurate, and I was not disappointed. Yep. Um I don't know if you would be interested. Maybe you would. If you uh, grew up as a Bruce Lee fan, the show Warrior, which is produced by his daughter and his wife, um, which is based on the original show he wanted to do. Because if if you know any history of Bruce Lee, the show Kung so, Fu was his his show. I know, I know you're into martial arts, but I'm not. Fair um, enough. I, I feel like most people that are into martial arts would get their ass kicked by somebody that's into wrestling. I, I don't disagree with you. So, as a wrestler, like, I've always kind of been like, okay, martial arts, whatever. But then you get, like, guys like Ryan, who did you get to, that will fit the shit out of you. Yep. <laughs> yep. Hey, no, um, I don't I don't disagree so with you. That, I'm not that into Kung Fu. I'm not that into martial arts. But I do appreciate it. Like, I do appreciate the martial arts. Um, and I do think that, like, certain things like powerlifting can be considered a martial art in some ways, like, depending on how you approach it. But... I think that uh, I never got that into Bruce Lee. I never got into that much stuff, but I, I would definitely be interested in that. Yeah, I, it's it's completely a fair point. Yeah, the show is called Warrior. It's a fun show. Uh, it's yeah. it is kind of cool. Um, and like I said, yeah, you're right. It's it's a totally like kung fu action thing, but it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I also yeah, don't my disagree. Friends were real pissed with the depiction of Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I was too. I was. was yeah. Don't, don't say that it wasn't funny, though. Oh no, it was funny, and and now that they have to realize that. Yeah. And therefore, why would Bruce Lee not be a caricature too? But it was just too yeah. personal for him. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was. I mean, I think people, because people do that. And like, I, I even said, like, had they got someone, had they made his character basically Bruce Lee, but it wasn't Bruce Lee, like they made it, gave him a different name, because it is a, like you said, a character, a retelling of a, of a, of a story that happened. Then it would have been hilarious. It's a slippery slope, though, because the only fake characters were the ones that were the main characters. Yeah, and what, which makes sense. And, and like you said, the whole story, just like Inglorious, and this is what made me kind of like get over it was Inglorious Glor- Bastards. I got over it because of Inglorious Bastards too, because yep. Tarantino loves changing history. Exactly, and he he basically yeah he changed history, and he in the same way he changed a reality for the sake of this story. That's what he did. And then I was like, okay, you're right. He does that. And then I got over it. <laughs> so. Yeah, totally. It was good. And 
if you remove that from that scene, like it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, the whole scene is funny, and actually, and like, and, and, it, and if it was understand that movie, if you don't know the whole story, like we were with our buddy who's twenty four, Tata. Yeah, which but she's super smart. She didn't know about that. I only knew a little bit, so I was like really catching up, and then I like appreciated the movie more and more the next week. Yeah, when I looked into it, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and, it, and it's always about the context. It is always about you knowing those things, and and and, but you know what? And and of course, and I did. I was salty about it too. But then I had I did give Tarantino props because one thing he does well is he makes you uncomfortable. Which I think any good art or any good like person, if you're going to create something, that's what that's what you want. You want to make create make people uncomfortable to challenge them. Otherwise, you're just spoon feeding bubblegum shit. So yeah, that's true. And that's what he did. So fuck it. He heck he did it. And most people never get to that point. So I'll disagree. Yeah, I, which I can, uh, and I and I and I dig it. Um. Uh oh, actually, one thing I, you know, going back to actually more more powerlifting, one thing I did want to ask you was because uh, we did obviously the lifts. I want to ask you your um, because you coach so many people and you have a successful gym and you run meets and you're a ref. A advice for competitors, and you maybe not even a beginner. Uh, of any level, like something that you would like to see more competitors do, um, whether it be on whatever that means to you. The number one thing I would like to see people do when they say I would like to start powerlifting is I would like to tell them, okay, cool, lift weights for 10 years and come back. (laughs) That would not be very good for my business because have you ever, ever, ever met a top guy and been like, well, that's wild that you got really good before you built me muscle. No, no, I haven't. Like, I wanted to do like a little picture collage of all the guys that bench six hundred, and they look like Dan, me, Julius. Like, we have humongous upper bodies. Like, yeah, every single one of them has huge upper bodies. Like, I took a picture with a guy who played a linebacker in the NFL for eight years today. I'm massively bigger than him in the upper body. Now, granted, he's a smaller guy than I am, but he played linebacker. He would have been hitting me if I played lineman. And every single person is massive. Way yeah. everybody's massive and yep. so you just want to tell everybody like I really need you to build muscle um, I had a really nice compliment from a client today that I just started working with this week he's in a strong man and he was squatting and I just said hey I wanted to ask you like how have your workouts felt this week how long have they taken like I'm trying to diagnose issues that they may be doing that I don't know um, like, you know, maybe he's taking too long a rest or maybe he's, you know, screwing around or maybe he's warming up too long. I don't know. So I'm just asking him some questions to get some answers. And he made the comment that he said, you know, I've done other programs before where I wasn't sure why I was doing this lift or that lift. And he said, but as I go through your program, I understand exactly what you're targeting and exactly how fatigued you want me to be when I'm done. Because I'm not leaving out anything. <laughs> And he's like, I can tell you want my whole body to be stronger because of the way that you break it down. And then as you deprioritize certain areas, you may superset them for conditioning or you may do this or that or you may add reps for more hypertrophy. But he said that it had a purpose, and that's what I would hope. I think that's a really good point. I think so many people go into any type of training and they, and they, A, they don't don't have a purpose. They don't know. I mean, they were like, yes, get stronger, but – nothing much more than that and then they don't uh they also don't spend enough time like they're they 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 jump around too much they don't really like they don't work the plan 
that well. Yeah, exactly. So, so for me, I would hope that my lifters think that, you know, what I'm aiming for is high technical proficiency in the powerless, high intensity in the powerless, and some volume, and then incredibly high volume in the accessory list. Yeah, and I think that's – honestly, if, you, if people were to follow those steps, I feel like they would become you – know, like you said, they would build the muscle. They'd be stronger. They'd be a better competitor because you're trained well. You're conditioned well, and then you can well, perform. We always have this argument that people who are really in the technique are really not in the muscle. <laughs> and then people who are really in the muscle aren't necessarily always that in the technique. But tell me a strong person that's not going to be able to get back into good technique when it gets hard. Yeah. I, I people cannot. <laughs> no, I, I I agree, and actually, I did learn that from from Ryan because I mean, I'm I'm not. Uh, he had said that before, um, you know, probably you know when I first started following him, and I and honestly was that was a lesson I took from him, and because I mean, I, I mean, I am I'm a, I'm a naturally smaller guy, definitely never been naturally strong with things, so I do de- you know want to default to technique to try to set myself up for success. Um, but that was the one thing, you know, he, he had said the same thing. He's like, you, you need to, you need just the, mu- you need the muscle. Like it's the technique is important. Yes. But the muscle is what's going to get you there. Uh, you can, o- you can always work on your technique, but if you don't put the intensity behind your workload and your work ethic, you're not going to build the muscle for the technique to matter. That's what yeah, I took out of it. That's absolutely true. Uh, and honestly, because because of that, I I started working harder on on things. I just started putting more, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just try to get stronger. Just get stronger. That simple. Well, it's like somebody asked me today. They're like, "Hey, how do you you know gain muscle and burn fat?" I'm like, "We don't. You do one and the other." I saw that. I, I saw the question. That question, and you answered. I thought that was good. Yeah. Yeah. So like. I mean, if you want to gain muscle and be stronger, like somebody also sent me a question that said, hey, I'm 195, should I go 181 or 198? <laughs> and I go, uh, I was like, are you going to set a world record? Are you guys like, no, that's my first meet. And I said, well, fuck are you even asking me? Yeah, who cares? I'm like, you don't even know how to do this yet. Like, why would you care about losing weight at all? Yeah. And our object is to be strong. Now, granted, we don't want a lot of, you know, fat piece of shit out there. But, um, you know, so in that case, if you're that out of shape, yeah, you can do both because you have so much to lose. You just need to walk into the wind more. Yeah. <laughs> walk into the wind. <laughs> just move. My buddy said. My buddy's like, yeah, you're so fat. You can just walk into the wind and lose weight. Yeah. And, uh, I got it wrong. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, so anyway, like, you know, I told, I told that person, I was like, hey, if you would like to get more muscle, gain more weight, now you can gain 10 pounds and then lose it and see if you look better, or you can gain 40 pounds and lose it and see if you look better. I'd probably say that the second one is going to actually yield faster results than the first one. I, I, I thought that was a really good point that you made. Because, again, I, I did watch that, and I thought that was, like you said, it was a very simple but something that but overlooked answer. It's like, well, put on the weight. Like put on the muscle, get really strong, and then yeah, then you can cut. Because honestly, cutting is I easier. Two hundred pounds before I lost weight. Now I'm jacked as shit. It's yeah, <laughs> like fuck. There, there you go. Because I mean, cutting is easier. Cutting is easier than gaining muscle. Gaining muscle is hard, and then it takes work. Cutting, 
his his diet. Well, I had no idea that like I would look good as I lost weight. Ryan did. He seen that, and he told me the whole time that like I always just thought I was gaining to be a fat piece of shit my whole life. And then, like, now I'm at 325 and look weird. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way, yeah. And I, I, and, um, I think Ryan's a great example of that. Ryan, with his bodybuilding background, and, like, yeah. he, is, he is a great example of just, you know, he can get really aesthetic and he's still strong as fuck. And he doesn't – and he knows how to do both. Stop talking about that. Yeah, all right. That's fine. Ryan, like, eats a lot of food and has a bank coming out of his freaking ass. <laughs> one, of the, one of those people who – That's that's what we want. Bring us signed things of wrestlers, because that's awesome. Oh, absolutely, we thought it was the coolest thing ever in our new location when uh, Sarah Logan and uh, and Eric and all the other guys came out to wrestle when they were here for Monday Night Raw, <laughs> and uh, they came here to uh, train because she's trained by Seth Owens. And uh, so anyway, it was the coolest. So now we know WWE superstars. That's fucking rad. Oh my god. Uh, that's pretty cool. That that's that's a cool. That's a win. That's one of those things. That's that's a that's a small thing. That's fun. That's fun. Absolutely. Uh, one of the best things that's ever happened. I'm not going to totally run out the story because you can tell it on his own sometime if he feels like it. But Ryan sent me a Snapchat after he made somebody come correct in a parking garage for touching his woman, and he was wearing an NWO shirt. <laughs> <laughs> After he opened and slapped a grown man. <laughs> so he's running down the street, so the cops are going to be called on him wearing an NWO shirt. <laughs> one of my favorite Brian stories of all time. Oh, my God. Uh, I I look forward to that because like I how I really want to hear it because I mean I've 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 I've, 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 I've <laughs> like, it's like did his eyes bulge? Uh, of course he did. Uh, he probably cried because I mean I know I know the story with him at the bar. take you up on that deal sir i will 100 percent take you up on that deal we had a uh, brianna terry out here last week brianna's awesome she uh you know she wanted to come train with us she wanted to train with hunter she's one of the best girls in the world right now and so she came out here for uh three days and and we just trained three days and we hung out and had a good time and talked and you know you make an even closer friend that way yeah i, I feel you always you always you become close i i i have I have heard good things about a Missouri barbecue. Yeah, and well, I, and I'll definitely come down to San Diego. I mean, I wouldn't want to like in like I have uh, one of my best buddies lives down there, so I have a place to stay. So I will definitely come and train and you know 
you know, we can record another one and just, just shoot the shit and hang out. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds great to me, man. Well, I, uh, back here in City. I, I really do want to visit. I, I, you know, we have a great country, big, big country with lots of great lifters and people and gyms, and I want to see more of it. And the more people I meet, especially like through the show, like I get itching to, to you know, come in, in, and and see those gyms and train with everybody. And uh, so I will take you up on that. I will, I will come and have be like, I have a backpack and my lifting gear. <laughs> Give me a couch, please. Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I, I'm looking forward to you guys coming to San Diego. Keep, give me the more details on that, and I will plan for it. And I will be there. Um, yeah, I, think, uh, I think I plan on training. Um, uh, we're getting there on Thursday morning. I mean, I'll probably go to the gym on Thursday and Friday. I don't know. Ryan's going to have to do some significant lifting because he's going to be competing at Record Breakers in November. Oh, and, uh, yes. I'm, I'm pretty into I love competing, but like I'm really low-maintenance, but I love helping other people. Because I, I know what kind of gamer I like to be when I'm competing, so I love to like pass that energy on to other people. It's so fun for me. It, uh, it's it's fun being involved with meets, man. I love it. Like I love, like I said, I love going helping. I I will wrap anybody's knees. I will do whatever. Uh, it is fun. I completely agree. Um, and I'm 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 planning on competing. Um, I'm going to be in prep too. Uh, well, I'm about 12 weeks out. I'm going to compete in the beginning of December, so I got a little bit more time, but. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be my third one. That's the next step. You gotta come to a meet here. Yes, I. That's actually my favorite reason to travel is for competitions because it's like, you know, like I can technically, first of all, I can write that shit off. Uh, that totally. Yeah. So that's that, and um, and that's just sometimes that's just how you can really get a pulse for uh, for an area. You go stay there, live, you know, live with the people, and be a part of an event somewhere, and uh, you know, you make friends. That's and that's what we're. I mean, for me, that's what I'm here for. Like, I, I, I love the sport. I love to do something competitive and have an outlet for myself. But I also like the people I meet through it. So, for sure. you know, and that's also why I started a podcast. So people have a reason to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did like one episode of my podcast, and I had like a thousand views or whatever. But I, uh, I would love to do more. But a, I would. I just don't have a ton of time. Like starting the gym, coaching people, or with people in person, having family, it is hard to have the time. Yeah. And, uh, and I wish I had more time, you know? And, uh, but we're so involved in building what we're building. It's just like, I had a college football coach one time that said, Hey, uh, do you want to be really great at something or do you want to be okay at a lot of things? Yeah. And sometimes I have to mute myself because I can get so involved in everything. And, and I have some friends that are really talented and like spreading themselves out and, and I'm good at that, but like there's a, there's a point where you have to stop. And so I'm finally at that point where I have to say no to some things because there's some things I'm just not great at yet. And I really, really have to focus on that. And I really owe it to myself to get good at my craft. And if I can like hone in and be good at those things for a little while, then maybe in a year, like I'll have an hour a week where I really can set aside time to do that. But people don't understand like podcasting doesn't take that long, but getting a podcast published does. And you know, that's the part where it's time consuming and it's easy for me to sit down and talk. I could do a podcast every day with somebody that's talking to me, but to do my own takes a lot longer. It does. More energy. And we have a lot to talk about here. And Ryan and I could easily kill a podcast a week, but we also just need to be better at what we're doing right now and what we're trying to get good at. And this gym has to succeed. I mean, 
we rely on it. My family relies on it. Our community hopefully relies on it too. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's just worth so much to me to get good at that I don't need a lot of other things going on. Yep. And I think that, and that's also a valuable thing of knowing what, to, like you said, focus on. Or uh, to quote to uh, quote Ron Ron Swanson is uh, don't half ass many things full ass one thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, people talk about big dick energy or whatever. I'm talking about lion dick energy here. You know, I'm trying to run a pride. Yeah, lion dick energy. I'm, I'm trying to be a leader, and you know, I just can't spread myself out. Oh. I'm concerned with everybody else. I 100 agree, but I really want you to do like a strong barbell club, like lion dick energy t-shirt i will buy the shit out of that hey i mean maybe that'll have to happen i don't know i'm, I'm uh, i just i don't want to think everybody out there can go out there wearing my dick energy shirts because they don't have it it's a poser thing you know yeah i uh, think i'll sure. make 20 of them and i'll just hand those out those are the 20 lines of the two you know what i i i i go i know i i, I you can you yeah <laughs> No, that's no. That's that's a fair assessment. Um, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm gonna cry about it because that will hurt my case more. But uh, I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> true, hundred hundred percent true. I'll take that. I'll tell you, I'll take that. It's okay. I know what I am. We're growing. <laughs> I, uh, but anyway, I, just, I just think, uh, you know, and that's that's another thing. Like we should make more apparel here. We don't, but that's because I want to be great at whatever I do. You know, like for our meet that's happening in December, I hired a guy to make a shirt that Matt Benson uses because I want it to be excellent. You know, and uh, and anything that is worth doing is worth doing really good. So I'm going to try to do it my best. Now I'll move on to the next thing once I feel like I can do it with my hands tied. You know. Well, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, man, you said anything that you decide to do, you do it excellently. And if you can't put yourself in a position to do something excellently, then, yeah, you need to vote. Fo- you need and to. If do I can't yeah. do it excellently, I'm not going to do it. You're no. not going to do it at all. <laughs> then fucking exactly. Because so, no one remembers, no one remembers, like, hey, that guy almost did something excellently. No, you only remember the guy who did it excellently. So, so it's true. Um, so, when is that meet? Uh, so, uh, going to Oregon Yeah, just to, just, just to plug it. When, when is that? Sure. Meeting? December 7th and 8th. Uh, there's 10 spots left on Women's Day, but other than that, it's full. I've got to actually open up a couple spots to shake up the roster this week, but we do a really great job of hosting meets here, and it's because I have people that are really great at helping me. Yeah. I don't have to, I typically don't have to ask anybody to do anything. I already know their role before we show up, so. That's even, that's even better. You know, we have some of the best spotters and loaders in the world. Today, you know, Hunter missed a third rep at a world-class weight, and it probably went down a half an inch before we grabbed it. <laughs> you know, there's no reason for anybody to be a terrible spotter. It's not a hard job. No. Um, so we have really, really great spotters and loaders. We have a lot of people that help, so they're always fresh. You know, we have really great judges that we ask to be here. Um, you know, I do all the announcing and playing all the music because I'm a control freak about some of that stuff. <laughs> I want everybody to have a good experience and feel special, you know? Of course. And so, uh, so until somebody comes and tells me that they can do it better than me, I'm not going to stop doing it. Um, yeah. You know, I would let somebody else's needs if I thought they were better at it. And, uh, you know, it's a thing where you just can't have an ego about it. You have, to, you have to know if you're good or bad. You have to know if somebody's better than you or not. And uh, it's, it's all it is. You know, you have to be self-aware. Yep. 
And and but part of that is knowing when you when you haven't found somebody who's as good at you know who can't do it better than you because why would you why would you give away the reins when they can't you know it's right. like it doesn't Absolutely. matter. I'm really not interested in publicly doing anything until I'm good at it. Like somebody the other day was like, "Hey, share more about your weight loss." I'm like, "No, I'm not good at it yet." Like I've yo-yo dieted my whole damn life. I'm not gonna start sharing amazing diet tips and secrets when I suck at it. I haven't developed a healthy lifestyle yet. I'm working on it, though. And once I hit my goal, yeah, I'll share some of that because I want other people to experience it and do good. But all I'm going to tell them is things other people that don't suck at it told me, you know? And But, hey, man, that's how people – but sometimes that's how people learn. And sometimes it just takes someone else to reframe a, a piece of advice or a piece of information, like you said, putting it simply to for it to hit home. So – Sometimes it's all it takes. Well, on that note, my man, I've been taking you away from your buddies and your whiskey, but I really appreciate this has been really fun. And I hope everyone who listens can really learn something from you. And I really look forward to lifting and hanging out with you guys in San Diego. So, yeah, man, I'm excited too. I hope to see you there. And uh, I love traveling and being a part of this community. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things we always joke about that the only reason my family ever travels is for powerlifting. But it gives me a great excuse, and it's a cornerstone of what I want to do when I travel. I don't want to go see the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I don't give a shit that that building isn't straight up and down. I can see pictures of that and be just as stimulated. Yep. Uh, but what I do want to do is, you know, hit up a bar in Italy and, you know, talk to some people, eat some of the food, go to a powerlifting gym and meet some real people. And, uh, you know, that's more what I'm interested in is going somewhere, experiencing the culture the way that I experience it with the kind of people that they would want to be around if they came to Kansas City, you know. And uh, so that's all it is. And, you know, it's super cool to own a gym because I've already had people here. I got a guy by a month past that is from Mexico City, you know, and he wanted to lift here because we're the only gym with kilos. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I have, you know, people that lift here that, you know, are here because it's 24 hours and they're doctors and they have weird hours and they just sewed up five gunshot wounds and now they're here. Yeah. Um, you it's know, every rad. week that we've been open, since we opened this gym, we have had somebody come for more than two hours away on a weekend to come here. That's awesome. And I think that's so cool. Like, I love that part of it. I love that people have been planning all week to come here. I've got three groups of people coming on Saturday um, from out of town. And that's one of the coolest things is being able to share this, not only with our community, but that, which is the most important. And the next one is to share it with, you know, people here in the region. You know, for example, like there's, you know, a team that was at a gym that wanted to be more supportive so they came here. You know, bringing whole groups of people together. And, and uh, that's what it's about. And, and then bringing people here from the region, and then hopefully one day we can kind of spread what we're doing to an even wider area, you know? Yeah. And that's the goal, man. And I think you guys are well on your way. You, I mean, I, you guys have a great reputation. I can't wait to come and check it out again and train with you guys. And um, yeah, I just, I appreciate you making the time and being able to share a bit of yourself and what you, you know, what you love uh, on some, on something that I love. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm going to plug a few things because I'm a professional. Yes, please. Uh, strong, strong Barbell Club in Kansas City, Missouri is our gym. Um, at Strong underscore Barbell underscore Club on Instagram. I'm JP Lifts on Instagram. You'll get connected to people like Hunter and Ryan by connecting to me. And, uh, you know, if anybody ever has a question, please, please reach out. I've never ignored a message unless it was a blurry dick pic. 
then I'll open a few of those too. Just twenty nineteen people like to see. <laughs> don't see that shit. Um, so you know, those are where you can find me. Those are where you can find us. We coach people. We care. We give a shit. Uh, we don't have hours where you can text us. We just happen to be humans that like to respond. Um, you know, our our gym is a great place for community. People should want to come here. Companies I trust are Slingshot, Eight Man. They've been great to me for years, and they have really good people that work for them. Um, those are people that I trust and and uh, and definitely believe in. So those are my plugs. Those are the people, and that's what we do. Awesome. Well, you again, thank you so much. I really can't wait to you know, hang out with you guys in person and pick your brain some more and uh, and and learn some more from you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, even though you didn't, you know, that's the thing. You didn't know me beforehand. I just messaged you and asked, uh, and um, and you did that. So thank you very much for doing that. Yeah, they've always said. My mom always said when I was a kid that I knew no, I knew no strangers, and then I've always told people that I hope after five minutes you feel comfortable enough with me, like you've known me for five years. And and like I said, please don't hesitate to reach out. You know, I was I'm able to be in this position and help. You know, people that may need help with their, you know, life, may need help with their lifting. Like, I, I don't know that I'm qualified to answer all those questions, but I'll always try my best. And uh, don't ever message me about uh, issues that have to do with your own physical health because I'm just going to refer you to a doctor. <laughs> but other than that, I'm going to be as helpful as possible. And, and that, that's, I would say that's, that's a very wise, a wise way to go. And thank you for that, friend. I appreciate it. Tell the guys I said hi. Tell Ryan I said hi. And I look forward to finally seeing him as well. And yeah, until until I see you here. Yeah, sorry I told you you couldn't be alive. You know what, man? I I I appreciate first of all your honesty, and it's a challenge. And then secondly, uh, we can work on shirts that are for Cubs, but then that's also a gay thing. <laughs> yeah, let's. How, how about we just we'll just work on making me a lion. How about we just do that? We'll do that. I don't want. Well, we'll, we'll have a LDE training program. LDE. Okay. <laughs> uh, we need to get better about that. We need to release like the Ryan Silva power bully program. We need to release the JT Price thousand pound squat program. We need to do all those things. Yeah, you will. Like you said, all, all in time, all in time, and then hopefully by that point. Anybody comes here and sucks at lifting, they can just pet them, joking about themselves. A trans dog, he's a good dog too. Oh, I love his dog. His dog is so cute. He know he wants pets and give the pets. Uh, awesome. He knows what we need. Yep, dogs always do, my friend. They're better than people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Nope. All right, my man. I let you guys go. Thank you again so much, and I'll be talking to you soon. And I'll get that music from you. Uh, thanks, man. All right, my man. Have a good night. Bye bye. All right, folks. The one and only Mr. JP Price of Strong Barbell Club, out in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I hope you learned something. I know I did. Uh, I really can't wait to go hang out with them uh, when they're in San Diego. And honestly, I am going to take you up on that, Mr. JP. I will come crash on your couch and train with you and uh, absorb as much as I can out of you guys and eat all your barbecue. So uh, I really can't wait for that. So guys, thank you again for tuning in. And shout out to the sponsors as always, Viking Performance. Thank you guys as always. And to all you who always take the time to listen uh, to our rants and rambles and our, you know, and our fun times. So hope you learned something. As my buddy the Johnny Horror would say, be good to each other and... You know, that's what it takes. Just be a good person and give a shit. All right. As always, I'm Nicholas. Thank you for tuning in.
to the Nerds Who Live podcast. Hey, 